Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 210. And in today's episode, I'm going to get off the philosophical stuff and all that and going to um, answer just three questions that I got, same person. Then they had three questions that they had written down and wanted the specific answers to. So I thought, you know, maybe a fair number of people do. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just put those three things out here. And they were looking at getting <clears throat> a, a new retriever puppy for family and for hunting. And they, you know, they'd seen this pointing thing and seen my book and all that. So they were kind of interested in that. So they had uh, some questions. I had kind of suggested where, where to look. Uh, on the internet in the United States and some stuff like that. But they had specific questions about choosing a puppy. So their first question was, um, and this is, they have um, like junior high school kids, and they it's a family dog, um, which doesn't change the quality of hunting dog that you want. I'll just say that. A good dog is a good dog. Usually when they're good at one thing, they're they're good at things, a lot of things. So... They wanted to know if they should get a male or a female, and how do you make that decision? Well, some people just prefer one over another, and so very often that's how people do it. Sometimes, you know, there's just a female left. So if you want that litter, that breeding, you've got to take the female. Many times you're kind of backed into something that way. But let's just say for a hypothetical discussion that it was a litter of five males and five females and you got to pick whichever dog you wanted. It doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, but if you get first pick, I guess it does. So how do you choose between a male and a female, assuming that you have good choices, you know, to make there? And yes, there are, even though I know there's several people who argue vehement with, vehemently with me, I do believe some people can pick out certain traits in, in puppies if they look at them over time and with certain things in mind. But male or female. So in my experience in this, in my experience, um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say that females, if you were gonna talk about, let's talk about the human race, I'm gonna use that example. You know, if you had to have somebody that you had to drive all the way to Argentina in a car with, and there was gonna probably be some trying times and scary times and all that, you know. What do you want, a guy with you or a girl with you? Now, a lot of people are going to go, oh, I want such and such. Who do you want to make a, a, a big trip where you've got to get along and got to spend time together? Right? If you pick female, then it's because there are certain things about females in general that females have that you like. And if you picked a male, it's because there are certain things in general that most males have that you like. And it's somewhat true in, in dogs, too. Females, I'm going to say female dogs tend to have some of the traits, that must be because of the estrogen, that female humans have. Um, sometimes they can be a little more sensitive, not always, oh, not always. Sometimes they're a little more perceptive because the female of any species tends to be, not in all of them, but tends to be the one that reproduces and then nurtures and cares for the young so they've got to have a wariness about them that sometimes the males don't and an awareness is what i call a little bit of a perception about stuff moms are often real good at that kind of thing and so it's also true with dogs in as a generalization that sometimes um 
that the females are a little, maybe a little more aware, a little more sensitive, might take things a little more personally, some not, might be a little bit more manipulative in some ways, some and many not, but they tend to have, I would just say, things that you would attribute to females. Now, if you look at females negatively, oh my God, that sounds terrible, then don't, you know, then you probably, female wouldn't, dog wouldn't be your, your first choice. But if you like all those things about females, and then the female might be your choice. And then similarly on the male side, again, generalizations only, males tend to be a little more task or goal oriented, kind of one thing on their mind. Sometimes they're so single purpose, you got to thunk them on the head to go, excuse me, we were doing this. Um, somewhat similar in the people world. And it's a, it can be that way in the dog world. They're not, one is not smarter than the other. That's, you know, there's super smart females, super smart males, super not smart on both sides. Um, I, they're not, the females aren't worse or better hunters. They, it, it really is an individual based thing. You know, just like you can have very smart women and very smart men and or very athletic women or very athletic men. And it's the same thing in the dogs. So I have never found uh, um, one superior to the other across the board in any of those kind of things. The downside to um, a female is that once they're over, generally with our retriever breeds, it's 12 to 18 months when they first come in season, usually around a year. So then they come in season and that's 21 days of every dog in the county wanting to come see your dog. And so if you're planning on breeding, you've got to contend with that. You've got to have kennel with a lid on it or not leave your dog out in the backyard or loose running or anything like that. So you've got that, that issue. And then after that, it's roughly every six months they come in season and that's a three week deal. So if you're competing with them, you know, they're out during that time because you're not allowed to, to have them there. Uh, if it happens right smack dab in the middle of your big South Dakota trip, unless you're, you know, most of your partners aren't going to want a female in season along. So that can all be problematic. And of course, then if you do have a litter of puppies, well, then they're out of commission in terms of, um, you know, most things because what is it, 61 days or whatever it is. So they get, they're in season, that's three weeks, then they get bred, right? And then you got two months where they're making babies. And then it's at least six weeks after that, six to eight, that you keep them, her and the puppies and all that stuff together. So that's a long period of time where the dog is, if you do have breed them. The thing you can do, of course, is not too young, not at, don't, don't spay them real, real, real young. Just like don't let the bodies develop before you take the endocrine system apart. So just be careful about that. Um, vets that know athletic and performance dogs understand, you know, let's let them grow and develop, get the muscles, get the structure, get all their, their love of what they do. And then you can go ahead and do the neutering. And it's usually a, a very positive thing. After that, you know, a spayed female is great. Um, cause they're female and they aren't ever coming in season. So you got 12 months out of the year, whatever you want to do with them. The males, the downside of the males, some males is the desire to mark everything like all canines do wild and otherwise, you know, and some are, some are very good about that and not an issue at all. And others are pain in the necks. So oftentimes, you know, that's can be irritating. 
there are some females, spade females sometimes do that. You know, I guess their, their hormone balance got out a little bit. But they might mark or they might be kind of tough guys, especially in their later teen years where they're starting to feel their oats. You know, and, and some females can be that way too. But every now and then, you know, when they start feeling their oats, that can be a little bit of a problem. They're such a benign, friendly puppy, you know, and now you just whoop the neighbor's dogs and they're mad at you. That kind of thing can happen. So it's important, one, to be aware and two, prevent stuff, problems like that from happening. When people go on their big South Dakota hunting trip and everybody lets their big stud muffin mail out at the same time, I don't know why they would do that. It's like a rite of passage or something, but I would never do it. If I was there, I wouldn't have a dog out in the middle of that because that's where the stud muffin battle kind of comes in. So that's the thing on males. Aside from that, it's what you get along with best temperament-wise and what you're willing to put up with in terms of in-season or puppies or, you know, whatever. Don't neuter males too early. Boy, when you pull out the hormones before they've gotten their growth completed, you literally change uh, the growth and, and development of the male dog. So even if the vet says, no, it's six months, it's fine. It is for neighborhood vets and pets. It's If you have a performance dog, um, it does it doesn't impact them. Um, and some very, very significantly. So something to be aware of. So that's how I, I would tell people to make their choice. What are you willing to live with? And what kind of temperaments do you like? Because if you get a good breeding, um, you aren't going to have, I'm sure it has happened, but you aren't going to have all the males are good and the females are terrible. Or, I mean, generally, you can get good a good dog on either sex. So that's that answer. Now, second question was, how do you find out if the dog points when you get your puppy? <laughs> um, that's a really good question because if you live in downtown, down Cleveland, right, and you've got this puppy, and and now you you know you're gonna go hunting and do some things, but you got this little puppy. It's like, does it point? It was supposed to, or or maybe you. I have many clients who bring their regular retriever they brought to me and I start the stuff and the little Hummer points. I've had, I had a raft of goldens the last couple of years that all went out there and pointed. Every flat coat I've ever trained points. So sometimes people just have to get a dog and you start doing stuff and find out that it points. But if you bought one because you were hoping or wanting to get that, what you want to do, I will tell you this, as a trainer of these guys, if the pointing is in there, it is so much easier to develop and work and get going so when you're hunting or competing you have it if you start early if you wake up that little light bulb way down deep inside in that little puppy early so that it gets to to take life and understand and then be practiced a little bit when you have a dog that never gets that opportunity for that little light bulb to come on about the ooh, what's that smell in the in the grass right there um, if they never do, that makes it more difficult, not impossible necessarily, but maybe sometimes also impossible, to really go bring it out. When they've developed all those um, neural paths, none of which have anything to do with locating live birds in an upland field and pointing. So if you do, if that's important to you, what you need to do is when they're young, if at all possible, um, you need to provide that dog with some opportunities. So how do you find out if it points? I know there's the fishing pole 
with the feather or the wing or whatever on it. And, you know, some they, you might do that and the little dog points that. Or after you pull it away a few times, starts pointing it. That I've seen that happen with a dog that ultimately never pointed. And I've seen it happen with a dog that did. So for me, that's not, that's kind of, it's not definitive. But if you take little dogs when they are old enough to, to be able to compute in their head what's happening, you know, some of them just don't. But if you can, and this is, this is the hard part, they need to be exposed to, a, to live birds. And that wouldn't necessarily be the magpie that lands in your backyard. Could be, you know, sometimes they'll do that. But a lot of times they point rabbits in the backyard too. But if you could go to a hunt club or a bird supplier or something and get, you know, for little guys, you can get, buy a few quail. And yeah, you're gonna, they're gonna wind up flying away. You're not gonna shoot them for an eight week old puppy. But if you can expose them to that, and, and you know, I've written, I wrote a, an entire chapter on that in the book. And I have podcasts further back in here, maybe a hundred back that tell you how to do that with a young dog. But you've got to get them exposed, not by putting pressure on them, not by saying, whoa, not by just letting them engage with this living smell up close and on their level and see what they do. Let them, let that, let that percolate a little bit because we're trying to turn on a little bit of a light bulb and you can't go in there and force it. You have to let that happen inside the heart and mind of that dog and by giving them opportunities. So, you know, I chronicled G for, but I still am, but for a year and a half, and we, uh, she was, because this is what I do for a living, she was put on birds almost every week. And she pointed the first time and every single time after that. And her pointing got, you know, nice and strong. And she's a grandmaster, multiple grandmaster now. And, and but she just, she never knew anything but retrieving and then that other stuff and her point was she would point for two minutes in the very beginning had no idea what she was doing she was just frozen um that shortened after she got it figured out but um that exposure to birds is important and you have to find you know if you have a retriever find a local you know english pointer club you know, that's, again, that may, they may look at you like, what are you doing here? But just flatter them a little bit and see if you can get over there. And, you know, they know what they're doing and they had, they know where to get birds or where places you could do that. That would be a very good thing. But what you have to do without directing it and correcting them and telling them stuff is let them encounter that little live bird in a natural environment, not in a cage, and watch what comes out. Now, they may not point. They may not point because their brain just isn't computing. It can't put the smell and the sight together with anything else. And some puppies, that goes for a while. Some point right off. It might be that it's just, it's not there right now. And when they're at 18 months, it kicks in one day. I've seen that a dozens of times. And then, you know, they may not ever point. So... But if you don't give them the opportunities, you're never going to get through that evolution, that process that you have to get to, to find out exactly what you've got. Um, I know there's a whole, people that are very good at kind of forcing the point out of there. Um, and, you know, if you're around somebody like that, by all means do that. There's no downside to it. Just if you're going to breed a dog that was, 
induced a point, you know, make sure you let people know that this wasn't one of those ones that just pointed right out of the right out of the egg carton. Um, because it would be nice. It's people need to have dogs that are easy to train and get to do things, in my opinion. And if you make one where you got to be real professional to try and bring that out, um, most people aren't going to be able to do it. So that's my deal on that one. Next question was, I thought, oh, good, we got this wrapped up. The next question was, well, what do you do then? So you got your puppy, you picked the one you wanted, you were able to get somewhere and get it on birds, and the little guy's pointing a little bit, flash pointing, or, you know, then ate the bird or whatever. So what's the next step? What do you do as a as a owner of this puppy, and you, you know, you're not going to send it off to somebody like me. You're going to just train it and... And you want this to be, you know, a project of yourself. What what do you do next? One, I would say, please don't get on the on the internet and Google how to train my pointing lab puppy, <laughs> because you will get like anything else. You know, oh my goodness, you'll just get inundated, and some of it will be very good, and some of it will be fair, and some of it will be just don't ever do that. I I just I strongly suggest you not do that. There are, there's a national organization, American Pointing Lab Association. They have websites. They're on Facebook. They're on the internet. Um, getting a new uh, uh, Facebook or webpage here soon. That ought to be really nice. Get on there and find people and clubs or whatever that are somewhere in your location. So these are people that do understand whatever type of dog it is that you're interested in doing. Find out if there's organized activities, even if you have to drive a few hours every now and then to go meet up with people and get some opportunities. But I would, if I were in the shoes of not knowing where to go and what to do, I would do like I've always done everything. I will say, well, I find the best of the best that I can, wherever they are. I will ask them questions and I will wind up converging on where I can get a system to approach this and understand my system and then stay on a program that has worked repeatedly for people or be with people who have done this repeatedly and understand what it is they're doing and you do need to do retrieving most days of the week you do need to do the walk out in the field so the dog you and the dog have this understanding whenever you're together i don't care if it's hiking or hunting stay with me stay in gun range I make the decisions, but you can work independently within a certain range of me. Make sure you develop that as a puppy. And then get those bird exposures. And if your dog does start pointing and then does like G did where she was a two-minute pointer as a as a 14-week-old puppy, and then she got down to where she was, you know, we know three, four seconds, and we're going to go bust that thing up. Fortunately, that became when more, more of her formal training started, and so... I got it. I caught that back. And like I said, now she's a multiple grandmaster. So it can be done. But I, I'm not saying there's only one way to do it because there's not. But what you want to do is not get with somebody who talks up a big storm or has a real pretty website, uh, but get somebody who has produced or been associated and, and maybe worked and trained some of these animals and really understands or can tell you in, uh, where they got, where they learned and where they got their information so that would probably be pretty much the way to do that as well find a system understand what it is and then 
read it, practice it, get help if you can, um, all of that. That's <laughs> very important. And because it's not like it's not like sliding down a slide. I hear I'm at the top of a slide down, hip bottom, smooth. There, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes they don't do what you think they're going to do. Sometimes you don't have birds for a while. Sometimes, you know, you sprain your ankle and you can't get out. Now what do you do? There's a lot of things where you bump along trying to do this. If you just stay at it, understand the work that you're trying to do with the dog, um, and realize that they're going to have good days and bad days, and you're going to have good days and bad days, but kind of just keep on going with this. And you can have yourself a really nice hunting dog. And if it's a pointer, you can have a really nice pointer. You're going to have to be able to spend some time with the dog. You're going to have to be able to get out in the field with the dog, and you're going to have to be able to have some bird exposures. So the key is to do whatever it takes to do that. And again, go to the clubs. I don't go to the pointer clubs. Find out how those guys do that, and then do what they do. Get them on, get them on birds, and let that that light bulb uh, expand. So that's the, that's this week's um, podcast. We have the triple crown coming up in just a little two three weeks. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll report on that. I did last year. I'm going to report on it again this year. Looking forward to seeing some really good dogs and stuff. Anybody that's anywhere near Colorado on Labor Day, if you wanted to see the, some of the best dogs in the country, that would be the place to do it. Doing everything. Water retrieves, technical stuff, triples, double blinds, and steady in the open field. It is a lot of fun. So that's it for today. I'll be back within the next week or so. I hope everybody's doing well. And... Uh, I'll be back soon.